Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 43. Thank you very much for tuning in. We've got John Ronson this week and it's a two-parter again, which is wonderfully exciting. I should mention just quickly the overwhelming... uh, response to both of last week's podcasts in fact obviously expected a huge reaction to amanda palmer she's got a huge following is a wonderful um entertaining interesting uh, a lady but the reaction to uh the refugee week special uh in which i spoke to a young a, la- a lady called R- ramel who is a refugee from the democratic republic of congo and she basically told her story and the reaction to that has been absolutely overwhelming so thank you very much to everyone who supported that who shared kind words and who is supporting the red cross campaign that that was um kind of intertwined with um yeah thank you very much for tuning in this week we've got john ronson before that i should mention obviously a good way to support the podcast is to go to speechdevelopmentrecords.com um check us out you may have already heard or they the way we do our adverts is they kind of get dropped in depending on when you you download it so you may have already heard the secret word and secret code to to get the exclusive distraction pieces podcast t-shirts um yeah it's pretty exciting right no Okay. Um, basically, we've got a limited T-shirt. If you go to team3w.distractionpiecespodcast.com um, and you'll be able to find that that hidden hidden bit of merch. Um, we're not going to be talking about it online. I'm talking too much already. S- support the podcast, support the website, support the label. Thank you. Let's get on to John Ronson. What an amazing dude. We met up to chat. As you'll hear, he, he invited me. He had one spare day and it was on a Sunday. Um, and the night before, I I don't think you can tell, but I'd been up till 6.30 watching a, a UFC 188 because um, I stay up for all the UFC events because I'm obsessed. And then I had to leave my house at nine to go and interview John. Um, so I'm impressed with how awake and, and with it I was. I, I knocked back some alpha brain, which I think helped. Um, and it was amazing. It was so relaxing and so nice. He's an amazing talker. He's got amazing stories. It was another one that we had to turn into a two-parter because he just had so much interesting stuff to say that I didn't want to kind of cut things off and say, oh, we're kind of over 90 minutes. Let's 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 wrap it up. So when we got to around the hour mark, I uh, I said, yeah, let's pause and continue in the second half. And once again, I, I mean, I can't decide which one's my favourite half. So hopefully you'll listen to them both. This one, as usual, um, appeared at midnight, um, so it's on your phone for you to enjoy on your way to work and so on and so forth. The second part, part two, will be out the same day today, Wednesday, um, at midday. So midnight and midday. So hopefully, if you enjoyed this one or are enjoying this one on your way into work on Wednesday morning, you can grab the other one while you're at work and have that for the way home. Or you can listen to it tomorrow on the way to work. It's up to you when you choose to listen to this podcast. And because it's up to you, I'm very aware that you're probably all thinking, stop talking now, please, Pip. So since you're thinking that, I'm now going to stop. I'll be back at the end. But for, for now, enjoy Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 43 with John Ronson. Part one. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of 
Right, I'm joined by John Ronson. Hiya. Uh, Thank you for having me in, 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 in your nice hotel room. Yeah, it's all right. It's not quite as fancy as it looks on the website. Yeah, you were kind of nervous at, or nervous yeah. and excited about how fancy it was going to be. Yeah. I, uh, I still uh, did get quite quizzed as I came in, so it's, it's fancy enough. It's the fancy lobby, shitty room. Yeah, it's, it's all right. It's I've, all right. I feel bad because I've got here and we've kind of... Yeah. I feel as if we've kicked uh, your son Joel out immediately. He's, he's, he's gone to have a look around London, have a bit of a... Yeah. And get a, a wake up. But I do feel as soon as we're up, like, if you could just, you know... So I'm hoping he'll arrive back at some point throughout and we can... Uh, yeah. That'll be I fine. so. Um, it's good. He's been, he's been out of London for about eight, ten months, so it's kind of weird. That's crazy, isn't it? That's a long time. Is that the longest uh, he's had? No, I think the first... The f- like we left New York, like we we moved to New York three years ago, and I mm. think I, I was back all the time. Like I'm yeah. back like about once a month. Yeah. Um, but I think Joel was away for like a year. It was weird. I hope. I mean, it was weird because like you know, it's sometimes you think, well, where you know, where do I live? Who? who yeah. Like who? Who am I? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Completely. Um, and, and I think we're probably all still thinking that. Do you feel? I was, was going to say, do you feel any more settled in now? To I'd, I'd imagine uh, Joel feels more settled in than you then, if you're back so regularly. Yeah, yeah. feel a bit more settled. I had a rough first year. I, I lost oh, really? all my confidence. It's funny, you know. Oh, you, really? Yeah, you know, you can build up, you know, over like 30 years of, like, confidence and and then just, you know, something goes out of kilter and it yeah. just all just all goes. Yeah. And, and for the first year, it all went. And what, what kind of... Um, what sort of rescued me was uh, this promoter in New York called Marianne Ways kind of contacted me and said, uh, um, do you want to do a show every month with Maeve Higgins? And Because and, Maeve had just moved over to New yeah. York. And and that just, I don't know, just, I just, re, just doing that made me feel better. Yeah. And, and, now, and now I think I really like it in New I York. think it's, it's really important at times to get those opportunities or make those opportunities to... To, to let you to reassure you that you're where you are for for reason and for ability and skill. I always remember I I had um, I had a, re- a relationship end out of the blue a while ago and I was feeling really kind of my head was shaken by it um, and I got back and I heard a song as, as someone had let me a CD and I heard a song and I liked it and I wrote a vocal over the the top of this song and. I recorded it and made a video and released it all within a week. It was like, but it wasn't a legal. It was a bootleg type thing. But just that process of doing something that I was really proud of in one week and then doing a video that people were excited about made me go right. No, actually, yeah. I know who I am. I know I've got this. I know what my abilities are. I know there's a reason I'm here. So I think things like that can be important to be th- thrown into those kind of things to go. All yeah. oh, right, yeah, this isn't just a, a weird coincidence. Because it can feel like you're stumbling along a lot of times, I find. Yeah, and sometimes I think maybe you should just you should do things because they're hard. I mean, that was yeah, one, that yeah. was one of the reasons why we moved to New York. It's like, you know, why not do it? Be, you know, because it's hard. Yeah. Um, and and actually, I mean, one thing that came out of me moving to New York was writing my book on public shaming. Yeah. Because uh, I think it was the, I don't put any of this in a book, but I think it was the experience of feeling sort of lost. Yeah. Yeah. That. That made me empathise with the people being shamed. Yeah, you know, because yeah. you, you know, because if you're feeling a bit, a bit sort of broken, you're going to empathise with people being broken. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So that of came course. out of it. Yeah. As, as, so again, that allows you to to, to have that. To, or the more you research it, the more you'll relate to it as well. I'd imagine. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. It, it's weird on, on these interviews. I often start with a bit of of growing up of this and this and that uh-huh. there's so much i want to talk to you about on your books that i'd 
I'm kind of if we get round to that at the end, then we'll get round to it. But I'd rather <laughs> get into the and, and and let's start with your your most oh, recent yeah. books. So you've been publicly shamed. Yeah. What was the the motivation behind that? And um, well, I think it was it was that it was moving to New York and yeah. and just feeling yeah. I remember feeling like actually it started off. Um, it started off. I felt like I was. I am. None of this is in the book, and I haven't really said yeah. any of this before. I sort of felt like I was like, you know, lost and right. failing in New York, and I wanted to do something that that sort of reflected that. Yeah. And what I started doing actually was stuff on stop and frisk. I started going up to the Bronx and hanging out with this defense group called the Bronx Defenders. Right. And hanging out with people who was whose lives were being like, uh, you know, destroyed through stop and frisk. Yeah. And um, and then just how fucked up the judicial process is, and yeah. how and so these were the thoughts that were sort of swirling around. I, I was also really interested in like um, memory loss. Like my father's completely lost his memory. It's oh like, really? Yeah, it's all gone. And, oh, wow. and sometimes I worry that's starting to happen to me. Yeah. Uh, I was being, I went for a, I went, my wife, as a special treat for me, booked me a, into a spa for the weekend, which I think is like the worst special treat for me because I don't like being touched. I <laughs> know, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't like pampering. But anyway, I was being massaged. <laughs> like it, uh-huh. it wasn't a passive aggressive tr- a, a treat in any way, was it? <laughs> he hadn't done something to piss off. She's like, right, here's, here's a li- <laughs> You yeah. have a nice weekend away. Yeah, you have a nice weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like everything I hate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but as I was being massaged, I was talking about my really bad memory. And I said, I can't remember anything about my childhood much. And she yeah. said, well, most people who don't remember anything about their childhood, when they recover their lost memories, it turns out that they were sexually abused mm. by their parents. So I went, well, I'd remember that. Yeah. Anyway, that got me thinking yeah, about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That got me thinking about loss of memory. And then that got me thinking about how, like, like when witnesses... Uh, this is really roundabout, I apologise. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. It's... OK. But that got me thinking about how when witnesses in courts... Um, you know, how can their memory be trusted? And Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been proven numerous times how much the brain f- fills in blanks and makes stuff up and makes us... We will, for example, we'll have solid memories in our head, but the reason we have them is because we've been told that story happened and things like that, so they're kind of false memories. And, and mm. But you're not a liar because of that. They're things that you've built now, but you, that's how powerful the the brain is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then there's been lots of research on, like... When you're looking at kind of mugshots, like if a if a if a victim is looking at mugshots, is it better for the brain to show them show them it sequentially or simultaneously? Mm-hmm. And actually, my memory right, is so yeah. shit, I can't remember which yeah, is which better. Answer is yeah. brilliant, perfect. Um, but I was doing all of this research, but none of it was coming. For some reason, none of it was coming alive for me. Right. Um, it's like I really wanted to do something on the justice system, and it's fascinating in in in. Yeah. in in America, in particular, isn't it? I was watching mm. a recently on, on on John Oliver's show. He was doing a thing about the the bail system in America, mm. and how crazy it is that there's so many people in prison because they can't afford not to be. And it's on silly yeah. things. And there's s- certain states that have brought in a bail system that they can only issue a financial bail if the person can afford it, mm. which seems yeah. ludicrous, but actually makes perfect sense because the point of bail isn't to say. Or it shouldn't be if you're too poor, you're in prison, which is what it's become a lot oh, in yeah. America. It's become we're imprisoning people on traffic charges and stuff like that because they can't afford a grand 
to, yeah. to get out and they're spending some time in prison. It's uh, Yeah, hideous. America's the most incarcerated country, you know, in the world. Yeah. The most incarceration-friendly country in the world. And you are, in fact, the other day I was interviewing, well, a few months ago now, I was interviewing this um, outsider artist called Mingering Mike, right. um, who had created this fake... Soul career and just right. and just drew all the all the records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Amazing. a great story, actually. I know yeah. this is a real kind of no, tangent, but what no, I'm saying is, okay. So basically, it it all starts with this guy called Dory, who was this big soul funk uh, fan, and he'd like he was like a crate digger. He'd go to like flea markets and look through the crates. Yeah. And one day he was doing all of this, and he found 38 records by a soul singer he had never heard of called Mingering Mike. And yeah. and it was things like you know his first album was called Sitting by the Window, and it was a picture of Mike sitting out the window and and um, and then there was like tribute like like he did a Bruce Lee concept album Brilliant. and there was like live albums and like Dory was going you know I thought I knew everything about the soul funk world and then like, I found this guy found this guy and it turned out so we tracked him down and it turned out that he was this painfully shy guy like living in a inner city community in Washington DC and he just created he'd created all of this. Um, you know this fake soul superstar. I love it. Yeah, and um, and he even he even like cut out the, the records and, and sprayed them to make them look like proper vinyl. They were just cardboard. Amazing! It was just, that's yeah. genius. And he would like write all these like song titles <laughs> on the back of the album, and uh, the, the the grooves in the fake records matched like the number of songs on the back, and it was all like amazing yeah. the intricacy. So I met him. I, I did a story on Mingering Mike, and I met him in DC. Yeah. And and the reason why I mention it is because he he was a, a, a draft dodger. Right. Um, he was just too scared. Like he was being sent to Vietnam, and he was just scared. Yeah. And so he became a draft dodger. And, yeah, if he'd been caught, it would have been either a $10,000 fine or five years in prison. So what does that mean for him? Yeah. It means five yeah. years in yeah, prison. Yeah, that's, that's, that's no doubt. That's, yeah. that's clearly what's, oh, what's going ahead. So, I, I mean, you do a lot of, a, a lot of your, your, your work um, as an author and as a journalist and all these kind of things um, is really a, a looking into... I don't know, um, not really taboo, unusual but quite human things. So do you yeah. find that is a hard thing to do? Because as you're saying, if you're looking into to loss of memory, then you're going to be flagging a lot of stuff that you might not have flagged. That, oh, actually, I don't remember yeah. a lot of this and I don't remember a lot of that. I, I found it when I was reading uh, The Psychopath Test. I was reading loads of that and thinking, hmm. yep, I can relate to, to, to a lot of the stuff... Yeah. The stuff that you're saying here that makes people a psychopath, and yeah, yeah. so how but were you worried about that? Um, were you uh, worried that you might be a psychopath? Definitely not by the end of the book, because right, you were sure you weren't one, yeah. Or, or, or more, this is gonna sound a really odd more that I felt it's another thing where there's a levels of it, and in certain ways and in certain manners, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Which yeah. that might make me more of a psychopath, but there were certain bits of thinking, right? I'm I'm actually okay with that. If that makes you slightly on the on the psychopath scale, as it were, then that's fine. And again, you realise that not always in a good way, but m- many successful people have to have a level of, of 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 that, a level of disconnect from society or disconnect from from even from friends and family because they have to be so into this particular area or so. Driven in a particular way, so yeah. Well, sometimes I wish I was a bit 
more psychopathic yeah, and because yeah. and, and, it would it would uh, make me feel less anxious yeah because yeah, anxiety yeah. is the opposite of psychopathy yeah, yeah. and I feel too anxious too yeah. much of the time yeah um that's something I wish wasn't in my life yeah uh, yeah if I take a Xanax I feel very groggy yeah and I think I'd rather feel anxious than groggy yeah that's fair yeah so but just to finish the justice yes, thing yes, so, sorry, so let's go well, yeah um we're gonna go off on a lot of tangents I feel yeah. but yeah go on but so basically I was like trying to work out how to do something on justice justice mm. um and couldn't i just couldn't um and i'm glad in a way because this was before serial came out yeah and i would have been like my book would have come out just after serial yeah and i would have been i would have been fucked so because yeah, 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 was yeah. so perfect yeah yeah uh so well you know mainly perfect so and then i and then i don't know it hit me that we were it hit me that on social media we thought we were going to do things better and we were actually repeating lots of the mistakes yeah. that, the, that the actual justice system was doing. Yeah. And that became really interesting to me because I thought this is, this is about us. Yeah, and, definitely. And that's, I think, you know, none of that's really in the book, but I think that is the reason why I wrote the book. Yeah, I mean, that's fascinating because obviously, yeah, the way social media has gone has become such a bizarre thing. Um, I've, the, the latest book I've... I've not had a chance to read yet, but yeah, from what I've I've read up on it, yeah, it, it is, it is, it's fascinating to highlight the fact that yeah, we've become this number one. It's become, well, not only has it become acceptable to publicly shame, but at often points it's become expected or felt mm. that you have a responsibility to publicly shame and yeah. to publicly attack and bring down people because we've now all got this voice. We're now all a media together, so we need to attack in this way which is a bizarre and cold yeah. um it's disproportionate trait. punishment yeah um you know people do stupid things yeah and they are then you know disproportionately punished yeah. for it yeah and it shuts off you know there's just two you know there's just been two in the last couple of days there was that guy tim hunts you know the um the scientist who went to south korea and made this speech, this fucking idiotic speech, where he said, um, you know, the problem with women scientists is that... Right. <laughs> right, yeah. like, straight away, it's yeah, like, yeah, fuck, yeah, yeah. shut the oh, fuck dear. up. Yeah. Um, the problem with women scientists is that they... Um, you fall in love with them, and they fall in love with you. They're distractingly sexy, and wow. and if you criticise them, they cry. So wow. he sort of chuckled to himself and got off the stage, and then, you know, with fucked and yeah. you know of course Clearly, it was a completely yeah. idiotic thing to say but yeah, now definitely. he's been fired and you know uh, uh, and he's that's it now for his career yeah. so because social media demanded it yeah I, I you know obviously what he said was idiotic and reductive yeah. and doesn't help social justice yeah, and yeah, doesn't yeah. help women scientists but was his you know total career destruction the only, the only solution to it. Yeah, the only yeah. option. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. No, it is a, a fascinating, bizarre one. It's it's caused us to have far more of um, a killer instinct in that manner that it is yeah. now. It's like right now they need to be s- sacked. It's like, well, yeah. is this the first time he's done this? Is this a, a serial? Um, you know, a, uh, a without, I don't think so. I mean, often I... without a level of of, of being informed, mm-hmm. we're quick to go right. That person is evil. 
Yeah. And therefore this happens. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to say this in this talk I'm doing tomorrow. Um, you know, you can lead a good ethical life, but some bad phraseology in a tweet can overwhelm it yeah. all yeah. and become a clue to your secret inner evil. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which isn't true about humans, by and large. Yeah. Um, you know, some people are so bad and their transgressions are so bad that they deserve to be overwhelmed by them. Yeah. You know, they deserve to be defined by them. But m- most people aren't that. Um so, and the other one that happened is, and I believe with with this guy Tim Hunt. I mean, I'm not I'm not entirely sure about this, but I believe this was a this was a kind of this was isolated stupidity, right? Yeah, and not a uh, not a series of yeah, not a series. And again, of, it's a weird thing. I remember when the um, I remember I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, um, and it was a while after. I can't think of the guy's name, but it was a big American football kind of owner and a, 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 a mistress of his or something had leaked. Right. recordings of him being um, really racist, just hideously racist. And my natural instinct is, what a piece of shit, what a horrible person, can they? Yeah. But a Rogan's argument was, he is that, but he said those things in his own home behind closed doors, and there's a level of, it's not really our place or business to attack that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? His, his privacy has been invaded. Um so whilst I do think he's horrible, I also think we don't, we shouldn't have the right to know about that or to a- attack him for that. And it was kind of he should be suspended and kicked off, and a lot of stuff like that happened. And it was yeah. a curious thing there how it became what was a public issue became, or what was a private issue became a public issue. And it's it's weird knowing mm. where that that level is because again whilst i completely agree that if this was an isolated isolated incident with with this tim tim hunt guy um then should is as you said is that the is that the only solution you'd think that if it's an isolated incident it could be isolated publicly but it could be something that he expresses and feels regularly privately but again does that then become under our jurisdiction as complete strangers to him and does that affect what he should be doing Career-wise, yeah. it's fascinating, and also when when it's just one after the other after the other too, you yeah. become you just you just start to think, God, you know, this is just oh, all everything's fine. Oh, what was the other one this week? Well, the other Sorry. one this weekend is a more complicated one, which I weighed in on. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, uh, I, and it was this woman called Rachel Dolezal. Yes, uh, yes. So you know, she's the head of the Spokane chapter of the NAACP. Yeah. And it turns out that she was faking being black. She yeah. was white. Yeah. So I looked at this, like, the paper, and I thought, fuck, what a weird, strange... Absolutely bizarre complicated, yeah, bizarre, it? fascinating, mysterious story. So I went on Twitter, and Twitter, by and large, wasn't thinking of it as a complicated, fascinating, yeah. mysterious, you know... Yeah. Sorry, Twitter was, like, r- rushing to... Jo- I mean, some people were being funny about it, and yeah. funny is good. Yeah. But a whole bunch of people were going, you know, blackface, mm-hmm. um, racist, you know, yeah. racial appropriation yeah. and so on. And and I just thought, A, like... It seems to me that this woman's story is really complicated. Yeah. And to just immediately define her before we know any of the facts yeah. is is not judicial. That's the, that's yeah. been in uh, my exact f- feeling on it is I need to know a bit more before... I, yeah. I, I think... There's nothing wrong I think with a bit of waiting. I think right? there's no way that I can... that I'm yeah. going to be convinced she's right as mm. such, but it's a thing of trying to figure out how wrong she yeah. is. You quite quickly on the tiny bit of research I did, um, 
her family, the family she grew up in, they um, adopted a lot of people of different ethnicities. So it, I don't know, it's an odd thing where she may have grown up submerged in that culture and therefore in a way if she hadn't pretended to be part of that culture she would be a strong ally in that in fighting for in fighting for rights and there wouldn't be anything wrong with that but it's the fact that she kind of made her hair curly and got tanned that it kind of was like and the actual interview where it was exposed was just the most bizarre and awkward thing of them just saying Mm. are you of, of african origin and she just kind of said i don't understand the question yeah. It's like, oh, damn. That's- but then this person's life, I mean, yeah, this is really weird and, and you know, but it did strike me that, that this person's life then becomes everybody's plaything. Yeah. And that's what, and it's some people's ideological plaything and it's, for other people, it's just something to be funny about and then for other people, it's it's just something to scream at. Yeah. And I just felt, you know, maybe after like 30 years of dealing in this kind of world, you know, of... of, of being a journalist yeah I, you know when i looked at all of this in all honesty i thought i don't know if i've got the stomach for this anymore it's like we You're know right. nothing about this woman's life we know nothing about her yeah this is obviously like fucked up and yeah. complicated i don't i don't want to i don't want her to be my plaything mm. i want her to have some yeah. humanity and some i want people to be compassionate and so i said as much yeah. on Twitter. I bet that went down <laughs> went, went down brilliantly. Yeah. <laughs> now, you can imagine, like, you know, especially because I'm a white man. Yeah. So, like, a lot of people said, you know, things along the lines of, as a white man, you've got no right. This mm-hmm. is not your story. Um, I don't know. I, I just felt... But that's where I came from. It's like yeah. I come from a world where the least you can do is to find out about somebody yeah, I think, before I think condemning them. You said exactly... I write there as well that waiting is perfectly acceptable. Uh-huh. We don't all have to go immediately, right, fuck this person. You know, j- j- a jumping in too quickly when we don't know all the facts. Yeah. I think the scary thing, and I've discussed this in the past with blogs, but it's become even even ahead of blogs now, just because we're all, we are all the media, we are all sharing the news, is the problem there. It's exciting because uh-huh. it's free and it's not can be uncorrupted it can be agenda free it can be really hearing from the people but the fact is we've not all studied journalism Mm. and learnt fact checking and source checking and everything that should be part of and again there's a lot of arguments of the general media has gone a long way away from that for, yeah. for many years now anyway, but still it's oh, that yes. thing of... And also, I mean, the things I'm criticising social media for, I mean, the mainstream media, you yeah. know, has been doing that stuff yeah. for years too. Yeah, exactly. You know, turning people into one dimensions and yeah. so on. And, you know, and God knows, I, of them you know, in that manner. Yeah, and I used to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I would like to think that I haven't done it for a long time. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's what... It's what pays well in, in journalism, yeah. and, and, it's, and it's wrong. You know, it's just not, it's wrong. So, and I think the reason why I feel emotional about it when it happens in social media is because I really felt with social media we had the chance to do things better. Yeah. And I don't think we're really doing anything better. No, we really aren't. Yeah. We're really just, yeah, perpetuating everything that we're meant... Yeah. Yeah, we're, as, we're, as said, same, we're making the same mistakes. We're making yeah, the same mistakes. The same mistakes as the mainstream media, the same mistakes as the justice system. Yeah. Yeah, we're making the same mistakes. We could have we could have um, created a world of curiosity, yeah. And instead, we're creating a world of condemnation, yeah, yeah, um, completely. So, so that's where I came from, and the reason why I, I piled, you know, I sort of weighed in on on that 
yeah. woman story. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it went down badly. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah um, I can imagine. Yeah. So, and, and now I'm sort of just emerging from that. It, it frightens me how easily swayed we are as people and how easily we will <laughs> believe yeah. a thing as long as we've heard someone else say it, then that's that. That's our opinion now. And yeah. someone will attack you hugely just yeah. because they've they've read two seconds ago they've, mm. that, or even though they've heard about this two seconds ago yeah. they've not had time to actually formulate their opinion but they've read someone else's opinion therefore they know that you're wrong and you're evil yeah. rather than uh, and then i'm turned into into a monster i mean somebody um somebody wrote like a, a, a well-known um writer and blogger mm. wrote waiting for john ronson to ever write a piece supporting people of colour, um, sex-positive people. Yeah. I've written, like, for 30 years I've been writing those pieces. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, so basically what that's saying is it's OK to write about these wronged people, but yeah. don't write about those wronged people. Yeah. You know, yeah. as far as I'm, you know, because I believe in humans more than I believe in ideology, for me, a wronged person is a wronged person, whether they're a fashionable one or not. Yeah. It's like, you know, I've, I've, I've really done my time writing about people being abused by power. Yeah. And I feel it's okay for me to also write about people being abused by the power of social media. Yeah. It's, I mean, that, that's it. It's such, isn't it? I mean, it's fascinating. It's, it's such a bizarre thing now, as you said, that... The fact is, your lack of bias in 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 which wrongings you're you're willing to cover is something that is now is is publicly shamed or judged. Yeah. Is is something that you, and you will at points probably feel conscious of that of going right. No, I do want to speak out about this because I feel this is how I feel when I feel you know no boundary between who you should judge in that manner. Yet there there's probably a pause at points of going oh god, but if I yeah, if, if I as soon that. as I do, I've, I'm 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 instigating. It's, it's yeah. a fascinating thing. It's similar. I I a, a, a similarly or almost a, a loosely, I guess. I had an argument on social media when um, just before the election, because a friend of mine who supports the Greens was saying there was a lot of talk that the Greens sh- should be represented in in the debates, um, and Cameron turned around and said they should be represented in the debates, mm. in this particular debate. And they, and their post was, look, I don't agree with him in general, but if the Prime Minister is saying they should be, then they should be. And I was f- furious at that, because I was mm. like, right, so that's saying you feel he should have a right to choose who's in the debates. Therefore, you should support... If he says they shouldn't, you should say, well, if the Prime Minister says they shouldn't, right. they shouldn't. You can't only support an argument or a situation because it, it, it's in your favour. Um, similarly... I'm I'm pro many of the protests and much of the uproar. I'm not a fan of the Conservatives personally, but I don't think it's fair to support a voting system up to the point that you think you're going to win, and then when you don't, say, "Well, this is it needs to change. This isn't fair." It's like, well, a week ago, if you'd won, you'd feel it was fair. So I feel I feel it, you have to be either against that system in general, mm. or kind of put your hands up and go, "Well." You know, yeah. With the, 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 I, I, I engaged in it. I believe in it. It didn't go my way. That's it. Things not going your way isn't a reason to rally against it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? If you're engaging in it, yeah. It, I've got to say, when when the toys got in the second time, by the way, my my rose tinted 
sort of glasses fell off a little bit because yeah. living in New York, whenever anything goes bad, yeah. I think that wouldn't happen in Britain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're we're a sort of liberal democracy. You know, we understand, we believe, and then they fucking vote them back in yeah, again. I mean, so. or how do you feel then, um, having just written about a social media and having encountered um, opposition on social media? How do you feel about the trait? Because I think one of the things that, or, or, or for me, one of the mistakes a lot of people make is only existing in 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 life and on social media within your own circles and people yeah. that support your beliefs. So everyone who was shocked saying, "I don't know anyone who voted Conservative," it's like yeah. that's because you don't know anyone who voted. You know, to to sound really stupid, it's because you don't know anyone who would vote Conservative. <laughs> that's why you don't know anyone who voted Conservative. If you if you follow and it's tough on twitter and social media because you to follow people you don't agree with or don't like surely it gives you a broader perspective of the actual world and situation rather than your all my friends are saying that (laughs) the servers aren't going to get in yeah exactly all right then that's because it's that's all you're listening to is your friends that's not the only people in in the country i agree with 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 every word you said the um in fact i remember on um it's hard though it's not an easy thing to to actively I follow. I deliberately no, follow some people that I that I really that I really don't like yeah. or agree with. Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard yeah. to follow Louise Mensch. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> I might yeah. have to unfollow her because yeah. she just drives me <laughs> insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. One of the big problems is that you know Twitter's a mutual approval machine. We, just yeah. as you said, we surround ourselves with people who feel the same way we do, and, and we, we all pat each other on the back. And yeah. Go, yeah, isn't the world? Someone nice tweeted me on a, yeah on election night. Someone presciently tweeted me. Uh, if I hadn't read your book on the Twitter echo chamber, I'd have, I'd be thinking now that Ed Miliband is about to become, you know, emperor of everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, other times, though, it does work. Like I worried that, like, I was in Dublin just before the um, the the vote about gay marriage, yeah. and I was sort of worried that the same thing would be true there. Like, yeah, um, because you know what what that implies is that. Um, social media is, is bad for the left because it's like it makes people apathetic. It's like we mm. all think it's just a dead cert that Miliband's going to get in and so people don't vote and then he loses. Um, you know, there is that argument. I think yeah. John O'Farrell made that argument after yeah. after Miliband so surprisingly lost. Yeah. And I worried the same thing would happen, you know, with the, yeah. with the marriage vote in Ireland, but it didn't, you know. It was a it's, it's fascinating because, again, the pressures of social media, and we will get around to other things at some point but the pressures of social media i felt quite uncomfortable w- when the correct vote came in 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 ireland um a few people hit me up saying questioning the fact i'd not tweeted about it mm. and i struggled to get excited about something that i felt should have happened long long ago so i thought i i can't I, i'm struggling to s- celebrate i think it's great that it's happened now but i think it's terrible that it's taken this long so it was a tough one but equally i didn't want to tweet that because it's like i don't want to take the shine off it i do think it's a positive thing i think people should be celebrated i don't want to be the one going well come do you know what i mean i didn't want to be bringing a dampener on it but equally i couldn't with good conscience go yay yeah. you know the right the right things happened it's like well it should have fucking happened long it's it's mind-boggling that it's taken this long yeah also in england as well the, yeah the, the length of time it took. It was it was one of them. It was like, this is great news, but it shouldn't be news. It should just be a thing that's yeah. happened and that's that, you know. Also, you shouldn't feel you have to, like, you shouldn't feel that you have to tweet 
the, the appropriate thing when everybody else is tweeting the appropriate yeah. thing because that's conformity. Well, Def is the prime example. Like, oh, when I had Simon Pegg on, he, he was saying the reason he left Twitter was exactly that, was the obligation to... Yeah, to be sad to, about to have Christopher a Lee dying. Of someone dying, yeah, yeah. Say, well, RIP, you know, it's like, well... Yeah. yeah, you have to constantly prove that you're you're an appropriate person. Yeah, because you know that that creates a conservative conformist yeah. society. Even though we see ourselves as nonconformists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean I love Twitter, but I think the time's going to have to come when you know it's what my friend Adam Curtis a few months ago, probably about six months ago, he said to me, "I think the internet is going to be like one of those." John Carpenter movies in the yeah. 80s where everybody's like, you know, shooting each other yeah. and yeah. screaming and people are yeah. going to flee to a safer yeah. place. And he's like, you know, maybe the internet will go the way of, you know, the the fucked up inner city communities of yeah. the 80s. And, you know, people will find a better, calmer, nicer place to live. And yeah. maybe it's true. Maybe, we'll people, we, maybe people will start fleeing the internet. We, we put this podcast up on an app called Acast as well as everywhere else. And on Acast we can add add links and we're going to have a link now to everything Adam Curtis has ever done because I think everyone listening should just get, I think he's absolutely yeah. just just amazing approach he, and outlook on, on his yeah. documentaries, everything just so, so beautifully. He's, he's helped me so much over the years. He was the first person ever to read my book, Them, First person to read the Manistaic Goats. Yeah. Uh, first person to read the Psychopaths. Um, all my books. He's been the first. He was like my Amazing. first reader. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. And really helped. I mean, massively helped me with them. Like I was really struggling to work out what them sort of touches issues of globalization, which I kind of knew nothing about. Yeah. All these conspiracy theorists were convinced that this shadowy cabal called the Bilderberg Group Bilderberg secretly group. ruled the world. Yeah. And I needed to then work out, well, what's the Bilderberg Group? What does that mean? Yeah. Um, and I just couldn't get my head around that world economics, so Adam taught me. One of the things I loved about them, though, was you took the reader on that journey as well, because when I read it, um, it's 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 a special book to me, because I'll tell a brief story of it. Um, yeah. Glastonbury 2006 was the first time I got booked to play Glastonbury, and playing Glastonbury is a huge deal for anyone in music. Um, it was amazing. I was excited to be there, but I was there. I was there with Dan, Dan Lassac, but, but he was there with his girlfriend, so I was kind of on my own at points. And the weather was awful, so it was one of the years that it really rained heavily. And I was staying. Who was he- I think I might have been there that year. Who was who was headlining? I can't even think. So. I was so arrogantly ex- excited about my own gig. Um, um, God, I, I, you know, I had my worst bit of narcissism. Can I just interrupt with yeah, this? I was on a train, like, when I was doing my book tour for So You've Been Publicly Shamed, yeah. and I was on a train going from Manchester to Glasgow, I think it was, yeah. and I looked out the window and there was an eclipse. And I'm like, oh, there's an eclipse. Like, I wonder if anyone knows. Because, <laughs> like, I was so fucking... I realised then that, like, <coughs> like, if an eclipse... If the eclipse hadn't been mentioned in one of the reviews of my book, I would have had no, no fucking idea. Yeah. Anyway, so go on. So, yeah, so it was raining heavily, and on one of the days I was, I was staying in... And I had a, a, a space cruiser at the time, <laughs> and a guy, Will, from Lex Records, had lent me them... And I hadn't started it yet. And I sat, I literally, I read almost all of it, just sat in the space cruiser while it was raining with one of the world's most respected and loved and desired festivals going on around me and me just (laughs) sitting in my van having a read. And I said, what I loved about it was it took you on that journey of, I wasn't aware of of much of it, but Mm. the beauty of you not being aware of much of it meant that 
we all learned about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was I, it wasn't a here's this stuff and you should all know or you're an idiot. It was like mm. this exactly. Is weird. I, I don't I don't know why more writers don't write that way. Yeah. There's there's this weird sort of fetish amongst journalists to be seen to be like superior yeah. and knowing all the answers before they yeah. write the book. You know, so many non-fiction books start with, this is a book about, you know, blah, and I'm going to tell you why blah is blah is blah. But, you know, yeah, my books are the opposite. I'm like, I, I go into a world that I know nothing about. And, you know, and I, and I, and I have an adventure inside that world. Yeah. And sometimes I totally change my mind. Like in the psychopath test, like midway through, I realised I'd become like drunk with my psychopath spotting powers yeah, which yeah, had turned yeah, yeah. me a little bit psychopathic and so I do this yeah, yeah. like 180 degree turn um, uh, and that feels to me you know like the best way to write like Completely. in them I became really paranoid like I thought I was being chased well I thought I was being chased by the Bilderberg group because I was actually being chased by the and, Bilderberg and group and that's what was, was fascinating <laughs> with it and, and just quickly I, I do want to talk more about them but I think you're right I think the, I always feel um QI is a great example of this. I think QI is far more enjoyable and watchable than um, uh, a university challenge or any of these yeah. kind of things because Alan Davis plays the idiot to allow us all to be the idiot. Right. He, 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 he questions the stuff that we don't know to allow us all to go, oh, I'm glad. Do you know what I mean? I'm glad yeah. someone asked that question because I wasn't sure show on that oh i always thought that and it's the one that we can all laugh at him and go oh look he's always he always loses he's so silly when in actually he's a very intelligent individual but i think that that allows that and again it's similar if you if you show your 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 learning and journey it allows yeah. it it seamlessly and again i i think you've got a good way of doing it without seeming as said as if you're you're talking down or, or, or holding her hand in a patronising way. Yeah. You're kind of going, yeah, I wasn't sure on this. So, Well, I never feel patronising. I never feel like, like yeah. Um, and, and, you know, but on social media, it's like no one does that. Like, no, you know, well, I mean, you know, a lot of people will hear the Rachel Dozo story and just immediately form a certain judgment. Yeah. And will just scream out their certain judgment. And without really knowing... Without knowing. I mean, who why? knows? Like, you know, like within hours of, you know, the Rachel Dozo thing happening, like yeah. everybody felt like they knew exactly what her motives were, that she was a scheming, cynical, you know, psychopathic liar. Yeah. She may be all those things, but when people were yelling all that stuff out, no one knew. Yeah. You know, so... And it's good to be in a world where you don't know and then you try and work it and out. And you're allowed to learn it. I tweeted yeah. the other day um, just to let people know. It was, it was about a month or two ago to let people know I just looked up the word austerity right. in the dictionary. Because to be honest, I didn't have really have 100% certainty of what austerity was. Yet everyone's... There's anti-austerity marches. Everyone I know is against... Oh, conservatives. It's like, and I was yeah. against it, but I was like... Actually, I don't really know what... The, I know it's rich people screwing over poor people, right. but I don't really know what it is. So I looked it up. And again, I'm sure there'll be tons of people listening now who... Yeah. Just go and look it up. Have a look at... In fact, we'll put a link now to austerity in the dictionary. You can, it. Was it a different definition to what you thought it might be? Slightly. It was, yeah. was, was slightly... Again, but again, I had such a broad... It was one of them things... Again, I didn't feel... Until that point, I hadn't particularly felt a need to know. I knew it was wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And again, it's the same with these all these different public shaming things. Yeah. It's like, I don't really know. I just people. I've had a thing for a while, and it's lazy. But I often feel 
it's varied a bit because we've disagreed on a few things in the last few years. But generally, if Billy Bragg's against something, I know he's done the research. Right. So, so, you know, I can generally just go, right, I can generally <laughs> assume that that's wrong because he knows what he's talking about. So, yeah, and again, it's that yeah. it's blindly following, I yeah. guess. It's, yeah, it reminds me a bit of, like, 9-11 truthers. Like, and they, they would get so fucking annoyed with me. And they'd be... Yeah. And, and, um, they would, yeah, suddenly everybody was a, was a structural engineer. Like, everybody knew how buildings are supposed to fall down yeah, when planes yeah, go into them. Yeah. Uh, That's the scary thing of the internet, mm. though, isn't it? How you can read one article and not question it at all. So if someone has written somewhere that structurally this, 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 that's yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's the thing, there's a a, a, a website called fullfact.org, who I've, I've had on the podcast, and now they've now got their own podcast. And they're amazing, because they go through as many of these articles and claims, even whether it be claims in the House of Commons or on Facebook or wherever, and mm. Britain First posts, and they go, right, let's do the research on that mm. and break it down. And I think that's so key, because so many... It's so easy now to just share things without yeah. that re- or you again you see it written down in one place and previously pre-internet generally to get it written down if it was hokum or unresearched it was a lot of effort to get that printed and published mm. Do you know what i mean it was still happened i'm not saying that's not a thing but it was far more effort than just upload a blog and yeah. that's that it's there yeah yeah it's true so uh, 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 let's get back to, uh, to them briefly what i liked about them was you went in Again, there was just was such an association. Uh, you went in as a sceptic as myself, and then you found a lot of interesting realities. Yeah, well, I started getting chased, in, yeah, by, the you got chased by the Bilderberg group. group. How how was that? <laughs> Fucking terrifying. Yeah, I remember afterwards I gave a talk to a sceptic society and joined the Q and A. Somebody went, so you were figuratively chased by men in dark glasses, and I was like, "There's nothing figurative." Nothing figurative. About, yeah, I, I was, was cha- chased by literally. men in dark glasses. <laughs> Because that was so, after you'd kind of, you'd witnessed... Uh, well, no, what had happened was, so... Or was it on your way to witness It was on my way. So basically we discovered, me and this conspiracy investigator called Big Jim Tucker, yeah. who's uh, passed away now. Oh. Um, yeah. But, I mean, he honestly, for somebody who smoked eight year day, he lasted a fucking <laughs> yeah, long time. Did good, fair yeah. play. Um, <laughs> uh, so he he's dedicated his life to... To tracking down the Bilderberg group, who were meeting this weekend while we talk. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nowadays, like, partly because of me, um, yeah. I think, um, loads of people go and, like, protest Bilderberg yeah. meetings. And So what are the, the, the Bilderberg yeah. group? It's generally the most powerful, yeah. the richest. There's there's political ties. There's all, there's There was always talk that they handpick the presidents and things like that and have that general yeah. control. They're the... The, the Illuminati, essentially. Yeah, that's certainly what people believe. And, and you know, I think they're very good, I mean, uh, 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 knowing who the next president or prime minister is going to yeah, be. Yeah. And I said that when I finally got that's to meet. That's interesting. Yeah. Because that doesn't mean you're necessarily putting them in or choosing. You just know how everything's working and know the system well enough to go, they're next, let's support yeah. and let's get... And maybe, I mean, maybe help things along a little bit. Uh, yeah. um, somebody told me about... Okay, yeah, somebody said to me, like, eventually, like, after I got chased by the Bilderberg group and they'd spied on me and and they would, like, follow me back to my hotel, I eventually got to meet, like, and talk to about three members of the Bilderberg group and one of them said to me, here's something for your conspiracy theorists. Margaret Thatcher 
goes to Bilderberg in about, I can't remember exactly, like about 76, 77. So about two years before she was elected. Mm -hmm. And she was really shit. She was like a kind of church mouse. And and that night, somebody said to her, like maybe Henry Kissinger or somebody said to her, you know, make more of an effort. And then the next day she stood up and gave this kind of, like Thatcher special, this kind of passionate, you know, speech and to be trademark thatcher exactly and then all like the billionaires there at bilderberg were like really impressed by her yeah and then when she went to america david rockefeller like Mm. took her around in a limousine and introduced her to everybody yeah because he was impressed with how she was at bilderberg so the guy said you know is that a conspiracy Uh, you know in a way in a way it is it's networking it's powerful networking that the likes of you and me would never we're never going to get driven around by david rockefeller in in a limousine so again it's that weird thing of it's just that association and and, Mm. and connections um when we had josie long on and we um, talked about her, um, the 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 arts. Um, I can't think of what they're called now. Arts emergency. Arts emergency. They're one part of it, um, and their um, whole role is to kind of form an alternative to, to, to that within the arts, within everything else. To say, right, we will form a network so you can have these connections. So, right. are they an evil group? You know, you know, you know. In, <laughs> it's in, hard in, to think in, of arts emergency as an evil group. That's it, though. It's, again, it's, it's, it, they're, yeah. they're reacting against that, but they're they're building the same thing. And obviously, yeah. obviously they're not. An, in case that wasn't clear, obviously they're not an <laughs> no, evil no, no. group. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's a similar thing. If it's just people connecting with m- mutual interests, I guess. Yeah. Where it, it's a blurred line of of of, of conspiracy pit. Theories and power. What I love, though, you I were mean, chased by many. Yeah, and I really, yeah, and I loved what Bilderberg Group did to my to my imagination and did to my yeah. sort of paranoia and so on. That, to me, that was really interesting. Yeah, because uh, I thought it was all a jape. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd go to Portugal with Big Jim Tucker, yeah. and we'd like sneak into this hotel, this five star hotel, and sneak around and form you know forge contacts with waiters and yeah i thought it would be like silly and funny and it was all silly and funny right up until we did all of that this was like the day before the Bilderberg group was supposed to arrive yeah. and then left and, and i saw in my rearview mirror that i was being followed i was being yeah. pursued so eventually i uh <laughs> Uh, I phoned up the British Embassy. I mean, it's, you know, a, a chase ensued. I mean, I say a chase. I was going 30 miles an hour, so yeah. so was he. Yeah. But if I'd gone faster, he would have gone faster. It would have been a hell of a chase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I'd gone 50, he'd have gone yeah. 50. Uh, so <laughs> I can't think of any speed faster <laughs> that's, than that. That's it. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's top. <laughs> I'm like Mrs. Armitage on wheels. I'm like a, I'm like a Quentin Blake drawing it's, when I'm in It's a beautiful because, again, it, 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 it makes me think instantly of, of, of the Alan Partridge scene where he's, he's, he's booked and... Um, a conference room under the name of the real IRA, and then when he gets there, he's, he's thought it's all. And then when he gets there, there are police. He has to die. It, it feels like a similar thing where you're like, "Oh, this will be enough. Let's, yeah. have, a, let's have a hunt about." And it's like, "Oh shit, they're, yeah, they're, they're following us now. Real. This is real." Yeah, yeah. I was terrified. I so, so the first thing I did was so big. Jim Tucker in the back of my car is like loving it. Yeah, like looking out the window and waving at them, yeah. and like I'm just. Um, I phone up my wife. And I say I'm being followed by the Bilderberg Group. They're like, this is, yeah. I, I think this is all going to end. You know? Do you think it was a level of scepticism on your part that made you more comfortable with it until it became a reality? Do you think I, there was a level of, oh, it's not, it's, it, yeah. it's a bit silly. And then it's like, fuck, damn, we're yeah. actually doing this to powerful people. Well, I phoned up the British Embassy 
and I Don't said worry. I'm being followed by the Bilderberg group and she went <gasps> and then she went go on <laughs> she, said, she said what are you doing here and I said that I said I am essentially a humorous journalist out of my depth yeah can you phone Bilderberg and tell them that yeah wow yeah fuck it so they chased me back to, they followed me back to the hotel the funniest thing was uh, the woman from the British Embassy phoning me back and saying um the, the, well, the Bilderberg group denied, they were, they were denying following me mm. and how could they call off someone who didn't exist? Yeah. And I'm like, he's behind the tree. He was literally, <laughs> while she was telling me that, there was a I man literally <laughs> looking at me from behind a tree. I can see was back you. at our hotel. Yeah. And then she said, well, the good news, said the good news is if you know you're being followed, they're probably just trying to intimidate you. And the dangerous ones would be those yeah. that you don't know are following yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, but I thought course. two things of this. I thought, A... How does the press officer at the British Embassy in Portugal know that? Yeah, yeah. Like, fuck, is this like a level of knowledge? Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, And yeah. B, one of these people are the dangerous ones, and I just happen to be naturally good at spotting I was, them. I was going to say, <laughs> was there a level of, I'm a experienced journalist, I'm good at spotting stuff, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm very yeah. aware. And so also a very anxious person, which <laughs> yeah. makes me good at spotting yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so how did that... How did it that resolve? Give some closure to the, well, the listeners. That, well, I went to the beach, um, yep. freaked the fuck out, really wanted to go back to England. I wanted to abandon the story and go back to England. Because there was just some bizarre yeah. ritualistic type action going on. Well, actually, the rituals were different secret oh, society. That was Bohemian Grove. Oh, of course it was. Sorry, yeah. I mean, there's a real crossover. Yeah, Lots of the yeah. same people go to both. In general, Bilderberg is a bit more kind of centrist yeah. and Bohemian Grove is a bit more right-wing, but right. they're both secret secret clubs. Powerful secret yeah. clubs, yeah. And I, man- and I did successfully manage to get into Bohemian Grove and witness the owl uh, ritual yeah. um, where they all dress up in robes and throw a... Papier mache effigy into a giant, into the into like a bonfire in front of a giant stone owl. Oh, what I thing witnessed witness. that with my own eyes. Yeah, yeah. Was Thank amazing. God you've still got the memory. I know that's one <laughs> yeah, bit of memory that's not going to go. In, yeah. <laughs> but with Bilderberg, so that was much later. That was probably about two years later. But um, with Bilderberg, I went to the beach. Yes, and got back to the hotel, and I would in my hotel lobby there were these two men like in dark glasses and suits. And as soon as they saw me, they picked up brochures and started reading them. Brilliant. Yeah. I thought, fuck, you yeah. know, how long is this going to last? And how long did it last? It kind of went away the next Again, day. Again, so hilarious when it's not actually happening in your real life. Yeah. But in the actual, that must just be... Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's it, it's it a reality because it's so fictional. It's such a silly thing that's not real. And again, I can see how you could have got that far into it without it because it's so silly. Yeah. It's films. That's it's... happened a number of times, actually. I was with this real-life superhero called Phoenix Jones. And, right, yeah, brilliant. Who was, like, fighting crime on the streets of Seattle. Amazing. And again, I thought, oh, this will be, this will be fun. And uh, before I know it, we're being, like, surrounded by 30 armed crack dealers Damn. saying if you don't get off our block we're going to shoot you yeah so again that was a time stop when stop being quite stop, so not, fun. not so funny yeah oh, we're at the 50 minute mark if you're okay i want to go on uh, you know a fair chunk longer but i'm going to pause it here so we can s- split the podcast into two okay so we'll continue in the next but i want to talk about uh the menu stare at goats i want to talk the specific things on the in the psychopath test and i also want to talk about frank and numerous other things so sure. we'll stop there and continue shortly
you've been listening to Scrooby's Picks Discretion Pieces. There we go. How, I mean, how is this for a teaser? In part two, he goes on to talk more about the superhero um, encounter where he was out with a real-life superhero or crime stopper um, and they were surrounded by a group of armed crack dealers. Um, if that doesn't get you downloading part two, I don't know what will. Part two will be up at midday today. If, if you downloaded this on Wednesday. If it's not Wednesday, it's already up. Part two's already there. It might even already be on your phone. I know some of you guys are slick and a lot of you support us by subscribing and having automatic downloads set up. That is a great way to support us. If you don't want to buy stuff and pay for stuff, the best way to support us for free, number one, is to subscribe and auto download. Number two is to tell your friends and spread the good word. We don't have a marketing a budget. You get this for free. So yeah, a word of mouth is absolutely key to us. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. See you all shortly in part two. Hold up. 